Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I don't understand how people can like waste their life sitting in front of a TV when you can be, be the person doing the stuff on the, on the TV, you know? So it's like, I'd rather be that person than choke on the... <laughs> candy you know but um i do truly believe in that i really would rather die in a blizzard doing what i love than than just fading off into society hello hello and welcome to this episode of the pursuit of happiness podcast i am your host ryan mcguire Thanks again for being a part of this journey with me, where I get the opportunity to talk with people from all over the world who continue to take steps in pursuit of their own happiness. And boy, this is quite the episode I have for you here. I had the opportunity to sit down with Tonia Blomseth, a professional adventurer, filmmaker, writer, speaker. She really does it all. Only in her mid-20s, she has quite the story to share, and we went into a lot of those details. Born and raised in Norway, she was the youngest to walk the entire length of the country with her dog and took over five months. She realized at an early age, her happiness wasn't in the classroom, but out in the wild, which she has now turned into her lifestyle. Since walking Norway, she's done multiple other expeditions with her sled team of Malamutes. She's filmed TV shows, and since then she's moved to Fairbanks, Alaska to expand her life. Tonya is a legit badass. From living in the wild, to walking into a TV studio convincing them to put her expeditions on the big screen, she's a force to be reckoned with and such an inspiration to many. She just refuses to take no for an answer and continues to create her own happiness. I cannot wait to see where she goes from here. There is no doubt she's going places. Those places might just be where the population is zero, besides herself and her sled team and all the wild around her. But there is no doubt she is living up to her mantra. I'd rather die in a vicious blizzard than choke on some cheese doodle in front of a TV. So strap in and enjoy this journey you're about to take. So Tonya, thank you very much for joining my podcast. I am uh, very appreciative of you taking the time out in the middle of basically nowhere in Alaska, right? You're near Fairbanks, correct? Yeah, yeah. Right now I'm in Fairbanks at my uh, friend's cabin to borrow her Wi-Fi, which I do a lot. Um, um, yeah, and I just got back from a hunting trip and I'm ready to go again after this podcast. So <laughs> That's crazy. It's nice, it's nice to be here. That's crazy. I, I can't wait to hear about your story. I We connected just a couple of days ago. I saw your Instagram photos. I saw your social media presence and I know uh, a fraction of your life story and to me, that's already insane. Like, I can't wait to get more details and hear more about your your life. And this is going to be all of a podcast, I know, and I, I can't wait to hear that. So um, let's go ahead and kind of tell, tell the viewers just a little bit about you currently. Like, what would you call yourself currently? Because you have so many different talents and titles. Ooh, that is a hard one, actually. I would probably say... 
yeah, maybe I'd say, is it stupid to say professional adventurer? Because if you kind of like put all the other categories underneath it, um, but maybe, and then maybe filmmaker sounds. So, okay, this is what I do. I use different titles in, in with, with different people that I meet. So sometimes I use filmmaker when I meet strangers so I don't have to explain every single thing I do because then it's just like talking a lot about me and everything that goes in my job. So I guess filmmaker and adventurer is like what I use the most. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I can't wait to get into all those topics. Um, so for those who don't know, I ran into you via your Instagram Dog sledding and your dogs and huskies and male abuse are just something that I have a huge passion for. I've always been super curious about the people who actually live that lifestyle. And lo and behold, I found you. You live it. Your your Instagram, your social posts are living proof that you do this every day. And I like I said, I just I can't wait to get into the story of of how you got to be where you are today. And so you were born and raised in Norway, correct? Yeah, I am uh, born in Thunheim, which is like a town in the middle of the country. It's a coastal town. And I moved around quite a lot. And uh, the last five years I lived in Norway, I lived in the northern Norway in a Sami native village. So we have natives in Norway too, and we call them the Samis. And uh, I met a ranger herder up there and fell in love and <laughs> became a so-called ranger herder wife, if you can put it that way so <laughs> I I lived a pretty fun life in Norway too before I moved to Alaska it's just funny because I was doing this uh expedition or a long uh, trek uh, with one dog Nani which is my oldest and uh, we were skiing through Lapland which is like northern Sweden northern Norway and northern Finland and as I skied through northern Norway I was traveling through these indigenous villages and fell in love with the culture and the lifestyle and the nature up there, but I had to continue my ski journey. And so the, the ski journey lasted for five and a half months. Wow. And when I was done, I had this offer from this family I met, met up there and they say, you know, if you want to come and live up here, we have an apartment and you can work on a farm and help us out with the ranger herding and pay off your rent that way. But if you really want to do this, this is your chance. And they, they, I said, yes, you know, cause I just got out of a two year relationship and thought, well, now it's time to do it. And they, this family, they packed up their trailer full of reindeer meat, drove down to Trondheim, which is like a 19 hour drive, um, sold all their reindeer meat and packed, my, packed a trailer full of my shit and my stuff and the dog. And this was only like a month after I came home being away for five and a half months. I'm like, all right, family, all right, friends, I'm going to leave again. I'm not sure when I'll see you. And just hopped into this family's trailer and drove back north and settled in. And then I was like, okay, I've been in a relationship now. It's time to be single and live the full life of adventures. And one week later, I fell in love with a reindeer herder. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works, right? You never know. <laughs> yeah, it was really sudden and it was fun. I'm glad it happened, but it was just... You know, things ha tend to happen when you don't want them to happen, you know. So. so to understand kind of where you were in your life, about how old that were you what were in your life at that time? Yeah, this was 2014. So I just turned 20, 19. Okay. 
at 20. Okay. So 20, yeah, yeah, 20, sorry. Yeah. That's crazy. So basically you're in your mid twenties now and you've done more in your life than people in their fifties, sixties and seventies. <laughs> ah, uh, yeah, I suppose, but I do a lot of the same things though. So I don't like, yeah. I should probably start doing more stuff that I'm not used to doing just to experience more. But I mean, I guess it's true. I've done a lot of traveling and expeditions and stuff, stuff like that. Right. And that's something I saw, I have a quote written down right here. Um, this is from your website saying I've learned over the years to be my own happiness by creating the reality I want to live in. Yeah. That's that obviously struck me because my podcast is called the pursuit of happiness and <laughs> there's nobody who lives that more than you. And I was like, wow, this is just, this is a match made in heaven right here for this podcast. So that's discover a little bit too late maybe not too late it's never too late but they discover it later than let's say you don't know who you are in your teens or in your early 20s that's when you try to figure out who you are and so i'm really grateful and happy that i found out what at actually at, at age 16 i was pretty sure of like this is what i want to do and by 17 i was like yep i'm gonna make a career out of the outdoors and and hiking and and somehow i will make it work i will say you're 100% right that most people don't figure it out until much later if they figure out at all. What was it that led you to kind of figuring that out at 16? You're like, did something happen that you knew that this is the way you want to go? Well, I I had this love for dogs, always have, and I had this stepfather back in the days who told me about his old days, mushing and having these Greenland dogs, you know, beautiful, massive, fuller dogs, and showed me pictures and so I started nagging about getting my own dog. They wouldn't let me have one. And so when I was 16, I went to this kennel and I said, um, I, I'd like to borrow your dog and do an expedition with it. And they thought I was batshit crazy because I never, one, done an expedition before, two, didn't have any experience with Malamutes and, and the breed. But somehow it worked out. And I did this expedition when I was 17 and I walked the length of Norway, which is about roughly 3000 kilometers and it took me it took me 5 months and 17 days and um somewhere somewhere along on that trip i kind of realized you know this is this freedom feeling and this is really what makes me happy and and i don't think that i'm cut out for school and the society norm and whatever people all the expectations people have to you i i just was fed up with it and i've always been really good at school working really hard like when i was in fourth grade i had the sixth grade math book and just like always trying to achieve 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 and at some point i was just like fuck that you know i need to do what really makes me happy and that's not other people's approval it's my own approval right yeah i mean a lot of people like i said don't figure that out especially the whole the societal norm type of thing until much later. So it's, I mean, that's awesome. You figured out as a teenager. And I like the fact you just said you realized halfway through your expedition that you wanted to do that. You didn't even know beforehand. You just did the expedition. I didn't know nothing before that expedition. I had probably done a week long trip before I decided to do a five months long trip. So I'm very much like, ah, I'll just jump into it and somehow I'll make it work. And I still live by that today. And sometimes it does work out and sometimes it doesn't. But on this trip, I, I didn't know that this is something I actually would like to do. Um, but halfway through, I was like, yes, just like a calmness inside of even on the worst days you could possibly imagine. I was just like, it's going to be all right. This is really what I like. This is what makes me happy in the end of the day. 
So what made the expedition walking the length of Norway? Why not something else, something smaller, shorter? What, what was it about that that made you choose that? Um, there, was, there is this guy in Norway who's pretty famous. Um, his name is Lars Monson. You could say he's like a Norwegian Bear Grylls. Okay. And he had done the trip before and he wrote a book about it. I, wrote the, I read the book and I was immediately intrigued because I didn't have to go outside the country to do this long trip. And at the time, I was also the youngest to do it. And so it was a lot of reasons, reasonable reasons to do it and try to uh, get sponsorships for it because um, being the youngest obviously would attract some sponsors. And a 17-year-old young female was kind of, it was kind of, people were drawn to know about that story, which made it more intriguing to do. And then yeah. you got to see the whole length of Norway. Like, you see, you see everything um, on your way. So I was just like, this is the perfect challenge. After being one week in the mountains for a trip, I was like, yes, the next natural perfect challenge is to do five months. It's like not even logical, you know? <laughs> well, if you can do that, you can do anything. I, so I have so many questions about this. What, are you still the youngest to have walked it? No, the next year, this little shit. Oh, and man. I think, he was, I think he was 16. And the year after, I think there was a 15-year-old. So I was like, that's crazy. Wow. 15? Yeah, that's insane. You started a trend. I think, yeah, maybe I did, but it was fun though in the moment. I like, I, I cared a lot more when I was 17 and immature and than I do now, but <laughs> it was, really, I'm not even going to hold a record more than a year, you know? That's cool. I mean, so I Googled, obviously I Googled your name and I'm doing research. And that's the first thing that pops up is you will, I apparently were, I was going to say are the youngest to walk the length of Norway. I saw that. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And then I saw your Husky that, so it was a Siberian Husky Maddox, right? That you walked. Oh, Maddox, yeah. He was actually a Malamute too. And, and sadly, he died right after the expedition. Oh, died really? Three months later. And I cried my eyeballs out for weeks because we'd gone through so much together, you know, yeah. the bonding. But yeah, he, um, we did that together. And that was actually the dog that I borrowed from that kennel. Oh, wow. And um, yeah. That's super tough. So. I have two Huskies, as you know, my oldest is Coda and she's 15. And um, so it's going to be a really rough couple weeks to months. I'm sure after that happens. You. But Have you had her since she was a puppy? Yeah. I've had her for 15 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd be a hard one. That's why I got two. <laughs> Honestly, and you have nine now, so that helps. So it happens, you lose a dog every now and then, accident or sickness or, you know, so I I try to keep them, keep as many as I can so it doesn't feel so lonely, but you always can tell when you lose a dog. Yeah. Even if you have 20, you know, you're going to feel it. I tell people that's going to be like the worst month <laughs> of my life. I don't want to get too deep into the negatives here, but yeah, I, I, I was looking at your website and I see all about your dogs and I saw Maddox. I was like the one you walked in like the road. It's like that must be a special, super special bond right there. He was special. And somebody told me like it's just a dog. And I almost punched him in the face. Like no way. This dog. I walked the length of we went through we went through everything together. Like you can't even imagine. And but eventually it passed, you know, and, and you get a new puppy and then that puppy takes all the attention. Right. So let's go back to that trip to Norway. Like tell me about that. Tell me about like the harsh conditions maybe some obstacles you face, like the temperature of, it must be insane. Well, I started on, uh, it's called Lindesnes, which is the most Southern point. 
uh, by the coast and I started started like end of June so it was really hot and you know I can't I don't deal good I don't do good in the in the hot weather so mm. it was actually that was my least favorite part um and then I hiked my way into the summer and there was a lot of people in the mountain and that was kind of like fun because I was doing the trip alone and I could finally could meet people and, and have social interactions on the trail but then fall came around and the 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 mountains just like drained for people because everybody go back to school and work you know so that was so lonely I remember really specifically September month there was just nobody out there and I remember just feeling oh my god I still have half the length to go you know and there's just not gonna be anyone out there and that was a pretty rough time for me and there was several days where I just had like 12 hours a day of hiking one day was 50 kilometers that like nearly ruined my feet and but you don't really recall all of that. You just recall all the good stuff, which is typical for like strenuous trips, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I do remember really well that when I came to the nor- most northern point after over five months, and that was in December, so it's super dark, only a couple hours of daylight a day. I remember getting on the plane and travel back to my hometown. I was like, it took two hours to, to travel something I spent months walking <laughs> I was like, this is not even, like, you guys sitting on this, pl- this plane don't even know how lucky you are. Like, you don't know what's down there, what, what's, what I've been through. <laughs> but I it was can't just, imagine. It was just such a weird thing to sit on that plane and just watch all those mountains go by underneath you. What kind of condition were you in, like, after all of this? Like, did you lose, like, a bunch of weight? Were your feet okay? Like, I lost so much weight. And I'm a pretty tiny girl, so I was probably down to, like, 47 48 kilos which is i don't know 100 100 pounds wow yeah so i was skinny but i was in great shape like i could walk 12 hours in the mountains no problem not eat much at all and felt really good i was lean and but um i was definitely tired and my muscles were my my legs were pretty sore because i had to walk on the uh on pavement the last Mm. couple days so yeah, I was eating antibiotics the last couple of days and felt ready to go home for Christmas. But as soon as I got home, uh, I had promised my school after being away for the first semester of six months, I promised them that I would like catch up and do really well in school and be disciplined. But what happened is I stayed two months in school and then I dropped out because I just could not find it in myself after that trip to stay in school. So yeah, I, I'm a dropout. Yeah, I mean... I kind of get it. You've had the experience of a lifetime and you got a taste of what you wanted to do. I mean, I, I can't recommend anybody drop out, but at the same time, you knew what you wanted to do, you know? I get a lot of young kids talking to me about how they want to do the same. And I really try to tell them that they shouldn't, they should finish their education because then they have something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, it just wasn't an option because I would just skip school to go outside and do other stuff. And, and I just, I just had this extreme restlessness inside of me that if I had stayed in there, I probably would have had some sort of way to vent it out that wouldn't have been healthy for me or other people and probably in the process ruined ruined my relationship to family and friends. Um, and I do remember that when I dropped out, I was 18, so I was legal. So I didn't have, I didn't have my mom sign any papers I could legally do it myself. And I remember the teachers being super worried like oh what are you going to do with your life you know I'm kind of like making a little bit fun of me um 
and then friends were kind of like oh that's funny you're gonna quit school like what are you gonna do with your life are you gonna live off grass and moss like just like comments like that and then on top of it all me and my mom just had a huge fallout because she's a highly educated woman and she was worried about me and so it was a lot of resistance and then I was just like all right I'm gonna show you guys I can do this and make a career and, and take care of myself just because I don't have the freaking papers saying I went to school. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Everyone has a different path. And it's, yeah. it's one of the reasons I named this podcast, the pursuit of everyone has a different Avenue. Everyone has a different journey. And I'm so interested in hearing so many people's and obviously yours is one of them. Um, so going back, like I'm thinking you walking the length of Norway, you sleeping at a tent every night or something. Like, how did that work? Where did you sleep? Where did you stay? How, what did you eat? How did that work? Um, well, you sleep in a tent and then we have a cabin system in Norway. So like the most uh, popular national parks, let's say you could, there's cabins and trails in between. Okay. You could do that or you, and then there's areas where there's no trails and, and no cabins. So you have to sleep in a tent. Um, mostly slept in a tent because I didn't have enough money to sleep in all these cabins. Mm-hmm. And then um, I ate oatmeal and just all typical hiking food, you know, freeze-dried meals and and beef jerky and stuff like that. So, you, oh, you get so sick of that food. Like, oatmeal, <laughs> I couldn't even look at it after this trip. I was just like, ah. <laughs> and then, um, of course, every time I would pick up a food drop in a, in a village, I would just eat so much candy and food and, and, and fast food that I would just almost throw up each every single mm. time um but still lose all weight you know yeah and um I mean a typical day in the mountains would be anything from eight hours to ten hours of hiking um depending on how you felt and then you go you go through all sorts of weather and you meet all sorts of people I met this German guy I, I still remember him he he tagged along with me for a couple of days. We were going the same trail, and he he asked me if uh, he would could I could come with him to Germany and uh, be his wife. <laughs> Dude, I'm 17. I don't oh wow! <laughs> you got stories. <laughs> and then actually, I have a lot of stories to that, but it's because I always travel alone. You know, I'm like a young blonde, and for some reason, I always tend to meet guys and. And on my adventures and and sometimes we end up friends and sometimes i've been asked to be married but uh it's funny because at some point i was really um getting sick of walking alone so i put out this ad on on internet saying like if anyone wants to come walk with me for a couple days or a week or two like you're more than welcome to do that and i'd take any company at this point you know like i don't really care that i don't know you and so I went walking with, uh, I also went walking with a, what do you call it, stock? Uh, you know, the guys who work on the Wall Street, like, what do you call that? Yeah, like stockbrokers. Stockbroker, right. Yeah, and yeah. So he hiked with me for over a week and taught me all about the stock market. And That's good to know. I mean, it is. I just haven't taken advantage of it yet. <laughs> oh, yeah, you should have. <laughs> and it was just funny. And then I, I, we became good friends and he was like 30 and I was... 17 and it shows that age difference really doesn't have anything to do with friendship out out in the in the nature because the nature doesn't have any judgment yeah. or you yeah. know puts puts that environment on you like what's okay to be friends with and what isn't you know yeah that's a, that's a really good point um and it's kind of one of those things where you said like 
the, the status quo is just, it's been thrown out the window for you for a long time. Whereas a lot of people just try to go by the, the quote unquote textbook in life, like by the next chapter, what they think they should be doing instead of what they really want to do. I think it's just interesting because nature just put everybody on ground zero. And then no matter who you are, earlier a drug addict, or if you're a princess of some country and nobody gives a shit, nature doesn't give a shit, you know, you're all in it together. And so that's what the best way to bond and, and really find out if your true potential out either as friends or colleagues, or is it a relationship? I think going on a hike is like, I agree. I agree. And I've had, I've gone on some hikes with friends. I'm trying to get more friends to join me. You have great conversations because it's just you and them and nothing else. There's no other, there's no phones. There's nothing else going on. It's just you and them. And yeah. You open up about the weirdest stories of your life and your yeah. emotions. And you're just like, I just met you three days ago. And now you know my entire emotional, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. But so were you, um, when you announced that you were going to walk the length of Norway, did that make you a celebrity whatsoever? Did people know who you were, like to pick you up along the trail? So, I mean, I did put a little effort in making a good website and, and Facebook page. And then it did actually get picked up in the news because I was trying to be the youngest one. It kind of like rolled as I went, you know, people heard of it, like, oh, this young girl is walking by herself. And, and for, before you know it, you know, it was all over the media. Um, and then they wrote articles about it in certain magazines. And so, yeah, I guess I got a lot of media attention on that trip and it was the kicker for me to start a career. And that's why I dropped out of school because I had all of these sponsors now and I had all of these opportunities and I had a small, small name in Norway. And I was like, I can't go back to school for several years now because nobody's going to remember. And we have this saying in Norway, you should, you should, um, you should iron while the, the iron is hot oh strike strike while the iron is hot basically yeah that's yep. what it is. yeah and i was just you know that's what i gotta do but of course people thought it was crazy i get it it reminds you of like athletes like when to declare to go professional stuff like that like while your stock is at an all-time high capitalize on it that's exactly what you did yeah so what's your story from after you do, do this walk what's your story from from there like what happens how did you jump off from that well, um, so yeah, after quitting school, I decided to try another trip going to Svalbard, which is an island north of Norway. And then I wanted to cross that in the winter. And that didn't turn out that good. It, it didn't go well at all. And so that made me really doubt myself. Um, it was just a weather situation that made us have to, we had to, like, what do you call it? Um, yeah, we were abrupt, the expedition. Evacuate. Uh, Evacuate it, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it just out of the window, but oh, you're fine. um, so yeah, that made me really realize that uh, maybe I can't do everything that I think I can do after all, and some self doubt, which is which is normal when you're 17, 18, you know, oh, yeah. young teenager. Um, but I kept going for a new expedition after that, which was uh, the the ski trip in uh, northern Lapland, um, and that I did that. And I made a TV show out of it. And I was really persistent in making a TV show because I thought I got to make some money out of this if I'm going to have a livelihood, you know? Yeah. So I like marched into the network, um, the house of this Norwegian network. And I said, I want a meeting with these bosses and I want to sell them a TV show. And everybody was like, who is this person just mar marching into our, 
into her office and demanding a meeting, you know, but I, I said, I want it. I, I need to tell you about the strip I want to do and I want to film it. Um, and so they arranged a meeting and I had made this silly, childish, big, um, uh, what do you call it? Like a map of your different thoughts of, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I do know what you're saying. Like a web. Yeah. Yeah, and so I made that and, and I put it on the table in front of them and I told them this is the trip I'm doing and this is what I think is going to happen and this is what I think could be a good TV and why and how I'm going to feel and the dog and every, everything this seasons. And they thought probably I was crazy, but it took a couple of weeks and they called me back and they say, okay, we're going to give you camera gear and we're going to teach you and you're going to go and film this. And I didn't know if they were going to sell it because I could be doing a horrible job at filming, but it turned into be a TV show. And that was my first um, TV show uh, launched after that trip. So that really kickstarted my so-called, I mean, career or whatever you want to call it. What was that TV show called? If anyone wants to look that up. Uh, well, it's actually only on Norwegian TV. Okay. So you can't look it up actually. And all I ever done so far is Norwegian TV. Okay. Um, but it was just a great start for for being having a name in in Norway and being able to make a livelihood for myself. I didn't make a lot of money. I made like seven thousand five hundred dollars <laughs> off that TV show. But you got experience too with the camera equipment, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's funny because you got to start somewhere, and and then eventually, if you just stick it out, you know, you're gonna get somewhere uh, later. But um, yeah, so I did that five month ski trip and and. Uh, with my dog Nani and, and after that I kind of just like okay I just want to keep going I just want to keep making TV and do all of this stuff um, but that's when I moved up to that village and fell in love after that okay so I mean it's been my life has been crazy and, and since since age 17 until now the, these 10 years I've been doing so much stuff I barely can recall all of it and that's kind of crazy to say that's how much I've been doing. Where, where did this like um, almost aggressive nature come from? To you just walk into a building and say, this is what I'm doing. I want a TV show. Where, where did this personality trait come from? The stubbornness. I think that's definitely from my mother. Um, it's just, I feel like if you're going to get somewhere, you just got to go and, and kind of grab it and, or at least really try and make it clear that this is what you want. And this is I, how hard I'm willing to work for it. Um, and that's the only recipe that I ever known for getting somewhere. And I think it has a lot to do with my mom who had me as an 18 year old and was on her own without her parents and had to raise me alone and, and finish school and then start her, her education, um, in finance and just do all of this alone. You know, it's probably, if I look back at it, I probably seen her do all this and then mm -hmm. picked up that this is the only way that you're going to get ahead. So being uh, being around a very strong, independent woman obviously helped you quite a bit. It took me a while to realize that she has a lot to do with it. And, and of course, a lot of teenage hormones wouldn't re uh, really admit that she is a good role model and she has taught me a lot of things. But as I got into my 20s, I have thanked her for, mm -hmm. um, you know, okay, sometimes we disagree, but I actually do think a lot of this is because of, you being independent and teaching me how to be so. No, I'm sure. Growing up in your town in Norway, I, I don't want to pretend like I know much about Norway because I really don't. Honestly, I know it's beautiful as a place I'd love to visit at some point. 
what is kind of like, would you say is almost a normal life ish for people who live in your town? What, what do they expect to be when they grow up? I would say that Trondheim is a town of a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, researchers and, and there's a lot of high education in my hometown and engineers um, and a lot of people work on the coast and do, um, I'd say it's just a town where people actually expect to go somewhere with a career and high education and I obviously couldn't fit into that picture. So you took a, a detour. Yeah, because like when you, I don't know, I'll be honest, when I see like Norway, you see the pictures, see the videos, you guys kick ass at the Winter Olympics, all that stuff. You walking the length of Norway was like, okay, that, that makes sense. But from what you're saying, you definitely took a different route from most people you grew up with. Yeah, I, I just felt I didn't fit into that. And it's strange that I felt that way because I did grow up with a, a mom that was high, highly educated. And then I grew up with a stepfather who was highly educated. So it was kind of, it's weird for me that I didn't pick up on that line. I just kind of threw it away. Uh, I can't really explain why, but, um, I just felt this need to go my own direction. And I did ask my mom at some point, do we do we have some sort of uh, different blood in our family that makes us so restless? And she told me that like really back in the back, back, back many generations, we're actually nomads um, from some sort of European country. So I can't remember which one it was, but we do have nomadic blood in us, which might explain why I am so restless to go everywhere. And, and she's the same, actually. She changes her job every second year so i'd say she we all got it in us just in a different way you know and mine is pretty extreme yeah um oh i see another quote i have written down too which i love it the quotes on your website i'd rather die in a vicious blizzard than choke at some cheese doodle in front of the tv <laughs> Isn't that funny? i was like i did yeah i mean i saw all these quotes in these pictures like this girl better say yes to my podcast <laughs> yeah it's funny um that is, I said that on the TV, first TV show I made, I was like, I don't understand how people can like waste their life sitting in front of a TV when you could be, be the person doing the stuff on the, on the TV, you know? So it's like, I'd rather be that person than choke on the <laughs> in candy, you know? But um, I do truly believe in that. I really would rather die in a blizzard doing what I love than, than just fading off into society and yeah, I don't know I'm not judging people that aren't because everybody has different dreams and for many people I feel like the the society life is their dream to have kids and, and a stable job and income and I respect that because it takes a different toll on you than what it is for what I do you know for me it takes a toll on me to be in expeditions and sometimes financially but it takes a toll on a person too to do the a different lifestyle they do so i have really had to try not to be so feel so strongly about everybody should go and follow their dream because i have realized with the over the years that a lot of people are actually following their dreams mm -hmm. doing that you know and i well, took yeah. a couple of years to be adult enough to realize that and a lot of people are still figuring out what their dream is like you said you figured that out so early and that's that's a huge yeah. benefit it is a huge benefit because I could start early, but sometimes I have found myself like, you know, really rethinking if it was the right choice because you can be stuck in a really bad financial situation. You're like, oh, I wish I had an education and 
and I could or a stable job and but then in the end of the day it always works out you right. always find a way to make it work you know well I have a feeling with your personality and your characteristics you'll make it work if it doesn't so I'm I'll not concerned the bank and say you will give me money <laughs> <laughs> but you know who I am I'm a celebrity yeah. <laughs> now, in Norway maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm super curious I'm sure I'm sure you have, but um, just looking at your like website and listening to you talk and the TV shows and everything you do, have you heard stories about how you've inspired others to kind of get out there and, and live like this or at least test it out? Yeah, I have got a lot of um, like messages and emails and when I meet people in person, you know, it's really nice to hear how a lot of people feel like they finally got over their doorstep to get out because of me and it makes me excited to keep doing what I do and I think I could even be way better at inspiring people to do it because I don't talk about a lot anymore about how I started out you know because it's so long ago it feels like well it is a decade ago I can finally say it's a decade ago yeah I'm not old but okay um so it's really nice to hear that and it keeps me motivated and every now and then when I do share something that's been uh, a struggle for me I do get a lot of feedback on I also feel the same way, you know, like most influencers, when they put out something about their personal life, mm -hmm. some people are going to connect to that and, and have felt the same way. Exactly. And that's, that's the main force, I guess, behind why I'm doing this is to give people stories that they can relate to and yeah. push through, you know, like we look on social media and we see all these people at the top, but we don't know how they got there. And it's the stories behind that, it's the things you've gone through, like you just, you quit school, you walk in Norway, you're doing this, you, you ran low on cash, you're making things happen. People don't know that, you know? No, it's actually, when we're talking about this right now, I'm a little inspired to maybe go in and go back in, in time and start telling a little bit about how it was, because now I feel like it's, um, it's been so long ago that I, I forget to tell about that. And I just, I speak a lot about what's in the present and what I think is going to happen in the future, but maybe it's good to remind people that I also started somewhere on the bottom. You've got a story to tell. And if you haven't thought about writing a book, if you haven't done it yet, you should certainly consider doing that by all means. I have written two books, um, but on my expedition. So I wrote my first book about this trip in the Lapland, you know, the Northern Norway. And, mm -hmm. and um, my second book was about um, a trip to Canada with my ex-boyfriend we did for a year um and then I have thought about one day I have to write my life story but I also find it kind of I'm scared to do it at age 26 because I kind of I kind of find it cheesy to write like a what do you call it a self-biography uh, yeah autobiography yeah yeah because I'm like 26 I mean I I'm so I feel like I'm too young to tell a story yet um well I get what you're saying, but I feel like up to this point, you've already got a huge story to tell that would inspire so many people. Yeah. I feel that real, that's in my personal opinion, that's all that matters. And if you have to write another one, or if you have to add on to it later in life, do a part two. <laughs> one bind two and bind three to death. Yeah. <laughs> Strike while the iron is hot, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's been on my mind. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to do it one day. Uh, I, I highly recommend you do. I'd be one of the first to buy it. I'm, I'm super interested. I, I'm going to request that you throw in pictures and images of the dogs and oh, of, 
your campsites. And I imagine you probably see the Northern Lights constantly, don't you? Um, yeah, we do up here, both in Northern Norway and in Fairbanks in Alaska. Um, but the season is, oh yeah, the season is right around the corner. It's mm. in September. So, and then it lasts until March. So I, I've seen it quite a lot. Is it anything to you anymore? Like, yeah, it is what it is. It, it's, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm used to it. So I'm not going to like stop the car to see the Northern Lights. But if it is a really good Northern Light with like all the colors, not just the little flare, I am going to stop and take pictures of it. Can and you? It, I have a crazy story of one night I did see Northern Lights in Finland. It was so intense and you could hear it. You could really? literally hear the sparks in the sky and it was, it was crazy. So out of curiosity, so I've seen the Northern Lights in Iceland, but by all means, I would go see them again in a heartbeat. Where is the best place from your experience to see the Northern Lights? Well, I'll have to be patriotic and say Northern Norway, of course. Northern but Norway, okay. I mean, you can you can see them in in northern. I mean, you can see them in Alaska too. I mean, the people come to Fairbanks, Alaska to see northern lights all the time. I just feel like the further north you are, the darker it's going to be, and the you better chances you have to see it. And then um, uh, there's different places that you could go to, but I mean, Fairbanks and northern Norway is like the top spots, and yeah. So I kind of forgot when you had said that you walked the length of Norway that it gets dark super, super quick. So you must have had a ton of lights, flashlights. That's got to be difficult to be hiking so long, so many times in the dark. Yeah, uh, November and December, actually partly, partly October too, when I was hiking, because I was constantly hiking north. I wasn't thinking about the fact that it was going to get darker. Um, so in November, December, it was so dark. I would, could only a couple hours day of daylight and the rest of the day you would just walk looking right down in with your torch or headlight and you couldn't see, um, you didn't see anything around you. You just saw the trail you were walking on. So that was kind of depressing in the beginning and then you kind of get used to it. But the thing is you get beautiful twilight in the morning and, and in the in the night, which is really pretty, but it lasts for like 30 minutes and then it's complete darkness. That's cool. <laughs> that makes it so much more difficult. That's something I didn't even consider when, when I heard the story, that it gets so dark for so long. That... It does, yeah. Um, but I, I really like the darkness. Like in Fairbanks too, and, and where I used to live in Norway, I think it's just a matter of acknowledging the seasons. So, you know, when in the midnight sun, you, you are super active and busy and you don't sleep much. I don't anyways. And you just, you can go, there's this thing in, in my home village. They say that people can launder mown their lawn at 2 a.m. in the morning because who knows the difference between day and night it's sunny mm -hmm. either way you know but uh and then fall comes around like it is right now in Fairbanks and you're just starting to feel like it's time to, to settle in and, and prepare for the winter we're all gathering the meat so that in when the darkest hour is coming we can all like we can all get together and, and inside our cabins and be social and kind of like calm down like energy wise and then still go outside and spend time outside in the darkest hour but just it's just a different it's a different mindset and if you can if you can um accept these mindsets you're gonna be fine but if you if you can't accept the fact that it's going to get dark and it's gonna last for a long time then you, then you, you can't really live in the arctic so i'm curious going along this path in the dark my biggest fear would be running on some like wildlife that i shouldn't stumble upon is there anything that's like a super like dangerous that you should be concerned about up there? I, 
I mean, in Norway, I wouldn't say like the chances of you just bumping into a, a brown bear is very, very slim. Um, however, in Alaska, you are, there's a good possibility you could. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess I would be more reluctant to hike around in the dark in Alaska. But then again, November, December, you know, most most of the predators, uh, like bears, they go in hibernation, so you're fine. Um, okay. But it is it is whatever. It's kind of part of the excitement, you know, um, to, to see wildlife. I had a wolf, a pack of wolves come around my camp actually this spring um and i have had encounters with bears and it's just in general you just take it for what it is and appreciate that you had the opportunity to to actually encounter wildlife because most people don't so i'm super curious i'm one of the reasons i'm a huge fan of like huskies and male uses because i grew up as a little kid loving like wolves and their pack mentality and everything about them what was that experience like? How did you stumble upon them or they stumbled upon you? Uh, the wolves? Yeah. So I was camping up on the north slope of Alaska and um, I uh, it's really random, but I just, I look across the, the tundra outside of my tent and I see uh, this one wolf run across the tundra and then I see a second one and then a third one and then a fourth one. And then somehow they're picking up our trail the, from the from the sled and they're pissing all over the trail to mark the fact that this is their territory and that we have have nothing to do here you know they're just pissing along the trail and then all of a sudden you know the trail leads up to our camp and and they don't even notice the dogs until the dogs notice the wolves and starts barking at them and then the wolves just come running full speed towards us and i'm watching them run towards us as because i thought it was exciting and I wasn't afraid or anything until they came a little too close for my liking. And I got up and like, okay, that's close enough. And they stopped, but just sat down and they were like barking and howling at the dogs and kind of communicating a little bit. But you should not believe that the wolves were playful with the dogs because if the dogs were loose, the dogs would probably have run up to the wolves and then that would have been the end of the dog. Yeah, I was going to say, is that a normal outcome for the wolves just to stop? Uh, yeah, because when there's a human, you know, they, they probably know it's danger. Um, and I had a gun too, so I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid in the matter of, I knew I could, it was only four wolves. So I knew I could protect the dogs if I needed to, but at the same time, um, they probably know that humans means danger. So they, that's why they didn't come any closer. As much as I would have wanted to see the wolves in my own eyes, I probably would have shot that gun off so fast while you were just standing there watching. It's exciting. It was so cool because in Norway, that's never going to happen. You know, we don't have as much predators. And I caught it all on video. You did? I did. It was Where so- is this? Where is this posted? This is, yeah, this, I actually did post some of it on, on Instagram and I, I have some of it I have to save for Norwegian TV. I can't. I can't put it anywhere. Oh, come on! Wizard <laughs> material. So this uh, is on your Instagram. Yeah, some of it is on, is on my Instagram. You can watch it there. And there's pictures of like the back head of Tina, one of my dogs. You see her furry little head, and then you see in the front there's this giant wolf just staring at her. That's incredible. I know. It was so I was, felt so lucky. I was just standing there with my camera and just trying to film everything, but at the same time trying to watch them that not coming too close. It's funny how you say you're so lucky. So there's so many people would probably think I'm at the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> oh, no, it's, 
and listen, I thought it was so cool. I honestly feel like that's one of the coolest experiences I had outside, just being able to have a wolf pack come so close. But I'm sure if there were a lot more of them, I would have been, let's yeah. say there were 10 of them, I wouldn't be so intrigued because they could easily take my team at that time, which, which were only five dogs, you know? Oh, that'd be terrible. What, what time of day was this? Was it night or daytime? This is in the middle of the day. Okay. Like, yeah, in noonish. That's yeah. that's incredible. I can't wait to see when will be we be able to see this. Well, hopefully not too long. Um, I'm filming right now. I'm in Alaska, you know, filming a TV show, um, for Norwegian TV. And you know, it's funny that we can. I'm sure I can talk about it because it's not for sure that it will happen. But just a couple of weeks ago, this production company in America contacted me, and and they say, hey, um. We're looking about to do like an outdoors TV show and thinking maybe you could be a good character to do it. And I always wanted to do some TV for in, with an international viewers because it's when you do Norwegian TV, it's so limited for only mm. Norwegians. And so if this happens, I'm, I'm really excited because then I can share it with everybody, you know, and I would be speaking English and it would be cool, but I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah, I was wondering that when you film Norwegian TV, do you switch the language and start just speaking Norwegian? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. It would be weird if I was like making TV for Norway and I was speaking English and <laughs> Alaska. No, uh, I'm really excited about both TV shows and, and I'm, um, it's actually my main job right now that I'm making TV is my like main income. Um, that's awesome do you have any idea when we're gonna like start seeing like anything or even people in norway like when we'll start things being on tv um i'm thinking maybe they'll see something next winter okay um, um but you know that's the process of making tv it takes forever you're like yeah. going on your trip and you make the material you give it to the production company and it takes usually like a year before they're done and ready to go on on the air and they have to condense it into was it like an hour episode maybe yeah. yeah yeah one one episode is 45 minutes and yeah. if you're gonna film a series it's gonna be a lot of editing well that's i mean just saying what you said i want to say the entire series now <laughs> so you got me hooked yeah um so you've run into wolves and I've heard, I've heard you say bears i've actually seen some photos of bears on your instagram how many times like what's been some stories with running into bear um, well, I think the most scary one is, um, like I had a camp in Canada and, um, with my ex-boyfriend and we had a dog team of six and it was, which was really great because they would always let us know if there was any predators coming into the camp. And there was this one grizzly that was really intrigued to come into our camp because we had like a thousand kilos of dog food that was probably, you could probably smell it from way, 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 you know, ways out there. And he came trotting into camp trying to get in and he just wouldn't give up. And I think that was what, one of the scariest um, encounters, but I have been really lucky so far. I haven't like walked into a bear or a carcass or a mother with a, with a, oh, what's it called? A cub. A cub. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I hope that doesn't happen because that's when you really can get into trouble so far. And it really helps having your dogs with you, as you know, because they're intuitive and they will smell it and tell you mm -hmm. if something's up, which is why I always try to leave or go somewhere hiking with a dog. Um, and, and you're good with a gun, right? 
I feel I'm decent, but I never had to shoot in self-defense, luckily. Mm. So who knows what happens when you have to do it in self-defense because you get so stressed out. Right. Um, but, you know, so far that doesn't, hasn't happened. And I actually went bear hunting um, this this uh, spring. And so doing that helped me figure out that they are also just animals and that mm-hmm. we are actually the predators in the end of the day. So if you... It helped me come over the fair of bears, you know, where you think they're going to, like, scratch on your tent and come and eat you alive. I kind of got over that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I see, like I said, I keep going back to your Instagram. You have some great photos. I see you shooting. Like, where did you learn how to be a good hunter like that? Oh, I'm not a good hunter at all. I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> so you just came from a hunting expedition. As soon as you hang up here, you're going to go hunting again, but you're not that good? Oh, that's because I'm not good because I have to go <laughs> <laughs> okay okay you're coming back empty-handed okay no see the thing is i am a really newbie at big game hunting okay. uh, i always i hunted birds a lot but um it's it's cool because i'm a first year resident in alaska so i lived there over a year and then you earn residency and then you can go and hunt all the big species if you want to and so this is my first year so i am i'm trying to be learn how to be a, a good hunter but it's a little hard because nobody wants to go with me so i have to go alone and learn everything alone so i'm reading all of these books about how to hunt doll sheep you know and it's like i just want somebody to go with me and teach me but it's i get it people have their own lives you know yeah no i yeah i get it you can put out uh some ads again maybe you'll be proposed to i don't know if i'm gonna put out ads in the last <laughs> we have a saying here the the odds are good but the kids are odd <laughs> so if i did that i would probably have a lot of weird people wanting to go sheep hunting with me and who knows how that will end up <laughs> just remind them if i do get me the green card marriage i will definitely put out an ad oh there <laughs> <laughs> and by then you'll be re- really good with a gun so be careful exactly yeah um so we, we've kind of skipped around a little bit from like norway to alaska um yeah. Yeah. how did that happen how did you go from norway all the way to alaska and did you bring your dogs here from there I did. So I brought all of them over. Um, it's a funny story how I ended up here, actually. I've been here before just doing trips and, and I always wanted to come back. And then um, after being uh, in a five-year uh, five year relationship with this uh, reindeer herder that I told you about, mm-hmm. uh, it ended. And at the same time as it ended, uh, this network in Norway, they called me up and say, if you want to go to Alaska and do an expedition, here's the money, here's the camera gear. Um, and we ordered this much of a TV show from you. And I was just like in a really horrible breakup, just like, you know, it's just, you're just mentally, you're just drained and mm-hmm. you just want to disappear. And I was like, oh my God, this is the perfect getaway. Go and do an expedition in Alaska and film another show. Yeah. I did that. And then when I got here, I was just, I realized I do not want to leave. I found my paradise. And uh, over time, I just decided um, I'm going to live here for a year and uh, live the dream and still be filming for this TV show. And it's now been over a year and I'm just like, I'm never leaving. If I'm you love leaving, it. I love it. It's just Norway is great, but Alaska is just 10 times more um, more wilderness, more animal. And there's a lot more adventurous people that like to go hunting and do crazy expeditions it's like there's one on every corner there's people that like to do that sort of stuff and i just feel like i felt i just found like the perfect community to live in 
one of my questions was going to be, what's the difference between like Norway and Alaska? I feel like you just touched on some of it, but you know, what are the biggest differences? Well, I mean, honestly, country-wise, it is, it is, everybody's, Norway is beautiful, don't get me wrong, but it's not as much untouched nature anymore, and it's not as much wilderness anymore. Like in Alaska, you can get lost for three months, even a year, you could go to certain areas and you never, you won't see people at all, right? But in Norway, you can't do that because there's, there's always people out in the mountains and there's always some road that goes over this mountain or there's always just something there that makes you, you can't get lost mm. and there's not enough predators and so you're not going to encounter any, any bears or, or wolves. If you do that, that, that even, if you do that, that makes the news mm. because that's how, can you imagine if they're going to put in the news in Alaska every time somebody sees a wolf or a <laughs> it would have been nothing but those news. Um, and then there's definitely a different mindset in people. Um, people here like to fly out in a, in a bush plane and, and go hunt and, and just like be gone for weeks, you know. And Norway, I don't think we have that much of a, we don't have that um, type of adventurous feeling sometimes because um, we are bound to work. Uh, we're like, we're very dutiful people. And yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's a different, there's a different culture. Yeah. And then, of course, there's the beer in Alaska, which is really good. And that has definitely something with me wanting to stay. What's your favorite kind? Um, I like all the brewery beers that I have here. And okay. I, it's so weird because I, I, I come here for the beer, and then I drink European beer, like Kolsch, <laughs> which is stupid because I should be drinking IPAs and stuff. But I just, yeah, mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. It's hard to explain. And I met so many people here in Alaska um, that are like-minded like-minded like myself and mm -hmm. um i have great friends in in norway that are, are really like to enjoy and I, I i hang out with but i just feel like i i can't live in another i can't live in norway just because i have a few set of friends and family there that i i want to keep in touch with you know it's you got to follow your heart and if that's in alaska then that's where i'm gonna stay yeah, you definitely seem pretty happy. Like, what what's what's Fairbanks kind of like? I'm not. I've heard of it. I'm not familiar with it. Like, how big is it? What's there to do there? Um, Fairbanks is well, it's interior. Um, and then I'd say it gets really cold in the winter. So you, if you don't like spending time outside in the coldest temperature, like this isn't the place you would want to live. It could get yeah. down to fifty below, um, even more. I'd say, but. I mean, people here do all sorts of stuff. Um, they like to go out fat biking, skiing. Um, there's people that track. They have their own lines that they track on. And and um, people are actually really sporty in Fairbanks. And you see people running all the time. And um, dog mushing, it's a huge dog mushing community. There's mushers spread all over town and outside of town um, that does, does racing. And then there's a lot of hunters that goes hunting here and I mean you can do anything here that's what I like there's so much diverse things to do yeah I gotta do more research on Fairbanks so I imagine there's like it's like a normal town like there's stores and restaurants and stuff like oh, that yeah like you have plenty of restaurants and I wouldn't say you could go clothing shopping if you like as a woman if you want to go find some decent clothes I don't think <laughs> you would want to go to Anchorage which is a six hour drive six hours okay yeah, but um, I like it because it's it's a short, it's a six-hour drive if you want to go south to the coast and do all the halibut fishing and salmon fishing and stuff like that. And then it's like a 
a nine hour drive if you want to get up to the true Arctic and uh, the mountain ranges up there. And then there's just, uh, I don't know, probably another six, eight hour drive. And then you can be Canada, you cross the border. So <clears throat> Alaska is kind of limited where you can drive. You know, there's not that many highways, but yeah. I mean, I, I think it's perfect if you're an adventurous person, you, you're going to have everything to do here. Are you eyeing another place in Alaska and or Canada to go next? Um, yeah, I, I have thought about Northwest Territories in Canada, um, uh, which is like huge. So I haven't found a specific spot, but I have this crazy idea that it would be fun to cross Canada and then walk home to Fairbanks. So like if you start at the tip of Canada and then you make your way through Canada and come across the border and then you're back home in Fairbanks, you know, but that will take probably like a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. A year. yeah. I can't, I don't know if you should write your autobiography before you do that or wait and <laughs> include That's that too. Two, remember? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I don't know if, if it will happen, but I think it could be doable and there's people that done it. I researched it and there's actually this one guy who did it in a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Would you go as far as like Jasper? Uh, Jasper. I don't know where Jasper is. Jasper is in Alberta. So it's not British Columbia, but the territory. Oh, over. I would stay in the Northern Canada. So I would stay in Northwest Territories. Like I would stay all the way. Okay. In the upper part. I wouldn't go in the lower parts. Oh, okay. But, um, I don't oh, know. You're insane. I'm a little insane. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so far, I'm, I'm pretty freed up, you know, I don't have any kids or family. So if you're going to do this kind of things, you got to, you got to do it before you in. good for you that's honestly you're truly inspiring i know you're inspiring a lot of people just listening to this and like you said they don't have to be all this crazy to do all that but it's just like kind of get off your couch and go do something you know like, yeah <laughs> it is really it's just a matter of getting out of your comfort zone and I, I i say to most people it helps if you have somebody in your friend group that can drag you out you know because mm -hmm. that's uh i didn't like climbing and i thought it was intimidating because i didn't know what i was doing and then I found friends that were doing climbing and they kind of like hauled me to go with them. And, and now I love it. That's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. And so I know you mentioned like dog sledding. So do you have any like um, desire to do the Iditarod or anything like that? Um, I think honestly, it would have been really fun to just try it one year. But, you know, you can't do it with Malamutes because they're just too big and too um, too furry. And, and yeah, that you just you have to have a racing team of Alaska Huskies. Mm -hmm. So I would have to get an entire new team and train them and get to know them. But I'm thinking about like maybe one year it would be fun just to do it. I don't think I would get into racing full time though because it's such a time consuming job. Mm. We're talking, we're talking top athlete training um, several hours a day and that's all you do. So is that big time up there? Like are you celebrity status if you're a dog sledder? Oh yeah. Like in Alaska, if you do well in the rod, you have, you're, you're, you're so famous. Like everybody's gonna know who you are and you're gonna be in magazines and isn't that cool that like if you are a good dog musher, you're instantly famous in Alaska. Like That's so if you go awesome. to LA, I don't think anyone would care. Did they do it this year with uh the whole coronavirus thing going on? They did and coronavirus kinda erupted in the middle of the race and so the racers out there didn't know that that was happening. And there was this one Norwegian guy who actually won the Iditarod this year. Oh I'm wow so and pet myself <laughs> you norwegians i know and i met him for a beer after i was just oh like, that's awesome you liking i love you you know it's so great um 
difficult. He got stuck for three months not getting home because of Corona. Are you serious? Him, him and his entire dog team were stuck in Alaska for three months. They couldn't get home. Was there any kind of danger to that as far as like running out of food or anything? Or? Oh no, they were like they were they were in, they were in town after the race. They oh. just couldn't fly home because nobody would take, you know, 17, 18 dogs on their plane. Oh, it's a gnome, right? Yeah, it's a gnome. Wow. So he, he was in Fairbanks after that and he was just like looking at his watch. Yeah, it's been two and a half months. I'm not getting home yet, you know, it's crazy. He's probably, I mean, the funny thing is that whole race was started because of a whole outbreak of a disease <laughs> and he got stuck there because of an outbreak. That is so, it's, it's really like a funny side story, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know when this Corona thing is going to pass, but I, I really, really hope it, it will. Cause I really like to go home to Norway too and see my friends and family, but until it gets safe, I won't. How is it right now in Fairbanks with you guys? It's been spiking a lot, and now it seems like it's it's been calm for like a week or two. Um, and I think I almost think it's going to go down because everybody's going to be out hunting for the next two months, and nobody's going to see each other. Mm. And then probably when everybody gets back again, and and then it's going to spike. I don't know. That's kind of a joke, and kind of not a joke. But yeah, you never know. Alaska is a perfect place to be self quarantining because everybody's out anyways. You know. Yeah, that's kind of my thought. So when you said a spike, it was somewhat of a surprise. Um, yeah. Like, so what What do you do for, like, medical attention if you ever needed it on, like, any of these expeditions, if you are your dogs? Um, so I, I do a veterinarian class. Um, okay. I can learn how to stitch up the dogs myself. But, of course, if it's really super serious, then I have to take them to the vet. Um, and I had this incident this spring where there was a dog fight between my own dogs and it looked like Alaska's eye was um, was scri- like it was punctured. I thought for sure it was punctured, um, and I took it to the veterinarian. And luckily, they were able to save it. So most of the times, I can fix it if there's a problem with myself and with the dogs. But if it's really serious, I have to get out somehow. And hopefully, you're close by a road. And if you're not close by a road and it's really emergency, I mean, then you would need a. a I suppose you would need to get picked up. Never had that happen to me. And I really hope that doesn't ever happen that I'm like bleeding out. And I yeah. need, and, and I'm like, I don't know, hundred miles from the nearest village or whatever, you know, that would be, that would I mean, be- obviously I hope not either. I mean, I guess that's a risk anytime you're out in the wilderness, just that far apart. That'd yeah. be my fear. You want to be sure that you're not getting yourself into those situations, but sometimes you just unlucky and, Maybe you're super tired and, and you're hungry and you know how you get, you just get drowsy mm-hmm. and then you're chopping wood and all of a sudden you're chopping your leg. I, I can see that happen, but you really try not to make, make sure that, you know, you don't, you don't get that hungry. You don't get that drowsy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had times where I've been chopping wood, right? I just noticed if I take another chop right now, I'm probably going to hurt myself. So I maybe take a break, go eat something, rest a little bit, and then you can continue. You live, you just live such a crazy lifestyle to me. This is so fascinating. What's, um, what's the farthest you've ever gone with your dogs? Like kind of sled, you know? Uh, like on an entire trip or just one day? Um, let's, a, a whole trip, a whole like expedition with them. Oh, you're asking. Um, I think the longest for an entire trip has got to be a couple months um what about mileage or kilometers would you say 
I, I'm not sure like how many miles we've done. Um, but I just feel like the longest we've been out is been, so let's say this, when we were at a, we had this camp in Canada, me and my ex-boyfriend, and when we decided to mush out the civilization, it took us two months. Um, so I don't know how many miles that was, but it was definitely, it was two months of travel just to get out to, to, to finish the trip, to get out. And, you know, that we don't really count miles too much because, um, I only count days. Mm. Everything is about how much food you have. Mm-hmm. And a food worth of 10 days, you don't really care about how long, how much, how many miles it is. You just care about the days. So how do you, how do you feed the dogs? Like, do you just pack like dog food? Do you have like salmon? Like, what do you do for the dog's food? Yeah. So usually I just do kibbles with fat. And then this fall, I'm going out to a native village on the Yukon river and we're going to have a fish reel that, uh, that's in the, in the river. And we're going to catch, uh, we call it dog salmon. Mm-hmm. Actually they're called chumps, but, uh, we call it dog salmon because they're, most people don't like to eat them. They like to feed them to dog teams. Um, and then we're going to try and catch a couple hundred, maybe even a thousand if it's a good run. And then you cut them up and take the gut out and you, and then you put them on a dry rack and then let them dry. And then you can bring it with you on, on expeditions because it's really lightweight. Mm. That's what we're going to do this fall, which is really cool because I never done anything like it. It's like what the old, it's what the Indians used to do, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's pretty a neat experience. So uh, why Malamutes? I'm, I'm curious, like not a Husky, not other breeds. Why all nine Malamutes? I ask myself that sometimes too, <laughs> because you know how Malamutes can be a little aggressive. <laughs> they're big, they're big ones too. They're big and they're just a lot to handle, but uh, Malamutes because they are more fur and they're stronger and they don't have the same metabolism as Huskies. So they're not going to lose as much weight as fast. And then they know, don't need booties and they don't need those jackets when it's cold and they don't need straw when it's cold to lie on. So they're super low maintenance compared to a Husky. But then again, they're not fast and, and they're a lot more dog to handle than a Husky. You know, if it really wants to go after a reindeer, you have a problem because it's going to go after the reindeer and you're going to have to hold it. While a husky, you know, you can just like pinch it a little bit, like hold it back and be like. I don't know about that. My husky's almost taken my arm off <laughs> a few times. I promise you, from a squirrel. It, it's true, but how how heavy is your husky? Uh, my oldest one is sixty pounds. My youngest is about forty. So obviously, yeah. there's quite a quite a gap there. My male is a hundred and twenty pounds. It's <laughs> quite. He weighs more than me, and when you <laughs> hold him back from a caribou that he really wants to take a bite of. It's like I'm sitting on my goddamn ass when like holding onto him for dear life. And that's just one. So you said your male. You only have one male, or do you have multiple males? Oh, I have multiple males. So if you have like an entire team that wants to go, it's actually easier if you have an entire team and you have them on a dog sled. You can just put the anchors in mm-hmm. and stand on the brake. They're not going anywhere. But mm-hmm. if you have like one or two in your arms that really want to go, and you're just hiking, that's the worst. So. How old are your dogs? Like, what's the what's the ranges you have? I'm I'm getting to the dog questions now because I, I love these your dogs. So. <laughs> um, there the age ranges is uh, one years old to 13, 14. Oh wow! Yeah, so there there's um there's some in their puberty and and then there's the older lady who's like she used to be the leader, um and and then now she's kind of retired and 
it's just a lot of different personalities to take care of and i'm trying to name them all after alaskan places and rivers and whatever okay. really cool um but there's it's a lot of dog and at some point i thought i wanted to have 15 of them so i could have two teams um but that i think right now i'm in, i have more than enough of having nine so who's the other lady what's her name oh nonni 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 and she's just so good but like you said with your dog you know she's 13 14 and it's getting time for maybe she has a year left you know so she still does the sled she still does the sled but not on expeditions anymore yeah she's she's just doesn't the thing is you have to think about too is when you have this many dogs and you have going long distances you have to think is this dog doing enough work uh pulling the sled worth the worth the food that i have to carry for this dog mm -hmm. so it's money who's getting old she's not strong anymore you know and i really want her to go but the fact is that so many kilos i have dog food that i have to bring for her and if she's not really doing a good job pulling it then it makes no sense for me to bring her and that's kind of the way it is yeah yeah and do they sleep out outdoors oh yeah they sleep outdoors and this winter we dropped down to 60 below fahrenheit yeah um and everybody slept outside except two who had kind of a bad winter first so i brought them inside a tent um but um most of them sleep outside and they're fine and they will just eat good and they'll keep their body weight and yeah yeah that sounds like to a lot of people that sounds like animal cruelty or whatever when i see you say negative 60 but it's like no, these dogs love it uh, i yeah, assume yeah. your mountain needs to they love the cold. They might not love 60 below. Because 60 below is freaking cold though, yeah. When they get up, they're like, mom, like, <laughs> really? And, and, and they, I know if I had straw, they would love it, you know? But yeah. um, I can't bring straw on a trip like that. Yeah. Um, but what I try to do is at least heat up their food so they have a good warm meal and extra fat in their meal and whatever. But, oh, and when it's really cold, I actually take... Um, um spruce from the trees you know and i just make a bed for them so they have a little bit of because everything that you can do to prevent heat loss is really good for them yeah but, you, you, um, you can tell you love your dogs and i, I appreciate that i'm not gonna lie i love my dogs and sometimes i also feel like I, I could do without because it's a lot of work you know and you being alone having so many dogs is a lot of responsibility but in the end of the day yeah yeah, I mean, I have two alone, and it's quite the responsibility. And it's funny, so you're talking about negative 60. It's 97 degrees here in North Carolina, so my air conditioning is constantly on, running. Um, they bother me constantly to, to lower it, and our walks are super short. Like, after this, we're recording this podcast late at night where I'm at. After this, I'll take them for a walk now because it's finally cool out. So, yeah, completely different. Have you ever been down here in the lower 48 states? I have been to Idaho uh, in Boise and uh, Idaho City. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I did that. And I think I'm going to go again in, uh, in in the end of September. I think I'm going to go for a couple of days. So tell me why. I'm curious now because I'm going to Idaho in three weeks. <laughs> so what do you want to know why I'm going? Yeah, why are you going? Um, like what, what brought you back to Idaho? So I used to I used to date a guy that was on a hotshot crew down there. Okay, so, so it's not so it's not the scenery; it's a guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a guy. I tell it's always <laughs> why I go anywhere. It's always a guy. Um, 
what can you say i'm 26 and living life but yeah yes I, you uh, are <laughs> yeah so i met i i he was a firefighter up here and, and then he worked working lower 48 so i went to see him and we went to see idaho city which was really cool idaho I city okay that, i that still have that old buildings from the cowboy era whatever you call it so it was really cool and then um lucky peak reservoir the big lake was okay. really nice to go to um i'm writing and, these down because i'm gonna be there in a few weeks so oh you are so it's still gonna be summer yeah september 1st is when i'll be there it still be hot i think well compared to where i'm at it'll be a little cooler you're wearing a hoodie right now and i'm jealous of that <laughs> oh yeah it's getting cold and dark and i love it yeah it's great too because the honey season is here you know so when you cut all that meat and you have if it's too hot it's gonna spoil so fast what's your favorite thing to eat what's your favorite meat uh caribou yeah but i'm trying to get a doll sheep this season my first season because i heard doll sheep is the prime meat that is like the best but it's really hard to hunt for doll sheep because you have to go in gnarly terrain to get them okay so i don't know if i get one but uh um, um tomorrow or the day after i will have a caribou there's no doubt. You better post it on your Instagram. I'm watching now. Post it on Instagram and I will say, Ryan, I told you so. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, you did. I got the audio. You proved it. You called it. Yeah. You literally called your shot. I literally have my friend tell me today, if you don't come home with a caribou, I disregard you as a friend. <laughs> I, I'm claiming part of that caribou. I'll pay for postage. I'll pay for shipping to get that to me. Oh, I want it. So good. You should come to Alaska. Well, so I've been, been once, it was on a cruise, so yeah, I've been kind of been sort of ish. I was actually highly considering this year for my birthday, which is in September, which I'm going to Idaho instead. I was highly considering going to Anchorage and driving up to Denali for a week. Oh my God, you should have done it. I would have picked you up and we could have gone. I'm in, I'm so in, but stupid COVID was like made me nervous about doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you shouldn't be afraid of, of COVID in Alaska, like people are out doing, people are doing two things in Alaska right now. They're drinking and they're and they're hunting. <laughs> really bad combo, but that's what they're doing. Right really now. bad combo. <laughs> yeah, people are doing a whole lot more down here with the parties and stuff like that. If anything, I'll I'll be held out of Alaska because they won't want won't let me in there. Yeah. Um, okay. I will seriously one hundred percent take you up on that. I will come to Alaska. I expect a tour guide. Oh yeah. Um, for sure. You and your slide team will pick me up from the airport <laughs> and we'll go up. Be like, yeah, I'll wear a Santa outfit and then I'll just go into the airport and have this sign looking for the ferry and that will be you. I'm, I'm in. I am so in. You don't even know it. I'm in 100%. Yeah, but you have to deal with me taking pictures of like Northern Lights being like, hold on, stop. I want to see this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm going to be I'll, annoying. I'll tell my friend this is a tourist. Don't mind him. I'm going to be the annoying one. I promise you that. Yeah. And you'll never see me because I'll be playing with your dogs the entire time. <laughs> so. I am afraid. <laughs> oh, yeah. So cool. Well, hey, listen, this this is probably a good time to wrap it up. Um, I mean, I appreciate you jumping on this podcast so much. I know I reached out to you very recent. You you replied. You've been a pleasure to talk to. Um, you have so much going on. I, it's a good time to kind of reiterate what's in the works. What can we expect from you? in the upcoming uh, future and how everyone listening to this can get a hold of you on social media and, and your website. Uh, where's the best place to find me, you mean? Yeah. I would say I'm definitely most active on uh, Instagram. Mm -hmm. 
and being international on Instagram. So Instagram is your name, which is just for the people who I'm going to say Tonya, but it's T-O-N-J-E dot Blomseth. That's B-L-O-M-S-E-T-H. Yes. And so Instagram is my go-to platform. And then I have a YouTube channel that is slowly being updated because I am busy right now <laughs> trying to get my caribou. And then um, I'd say I am trying to do Facebook internationally too. So Norwegian okay. and English posts. Okay. And then, um, yeah, hopefully make, maybe we can make this TV show work and then uh, we can all watch me go batshit crazy out in nature. <laughs> I can't wait for that. I guess I see that wolf footage too, honestly. Like, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, and then we're also going to get, what, two or three autobiographies, you said? So expect those at some point. <laughs> one is coming next year. Bind two, by, bind two will be my midlife crisis when I'm 40. Okay. Bind three will be how, um, how to be wise when I'm like 85. Wow. Yeah. Words of wisdom. Yes. Words of wisdom about everything I've learned and experienced. But bind one will be most interesting because that's my, my era of stupidity. stupidity. <laughs> I, I honestly I think you should write a book I I know you're kind of kidding but at the same time I feel like you really should do it you have a lot to well, offer sure, one day but when I'm not still we have the saying in Norway when I'm not wet behind the ears because I just got born you know okay I have a little bit of your a grayish a grayish bolosh bolosh what call it what you call it I have no idea <laughs> highlights of gray hair I'll go right okay <laughs> well I recommend personally I would buy it tomorrow if you had it so think twice about that because like I've, I've, I've enjoyed this podcast so much uh, I can't wait to keep following you seeing all your images and I promise you you have this on recording I will take you up on coming to Alaska I yeah. expect a good tour guide I want to meet your dogs yes um, let's do it I will meet, greet you with a beer on the, in the, uh, in the air Let's do it. Yeah, you have no idea. How far is Anchorage from you? Uh, so it's well, just 40, 40, 50 minutes uh, flight. Okay. And six hour drive. So, so when people get to Fairbanks, is it they fly to Anchorage and fly again, or do they take a car and drive up to Fairbanks? Uh, I'd say most people fly. Okay. If you're coming from the lower 48, so yeah. you don't have to do that drive. Okay. Um, and then from Fairbanks, it's actually shorter to go to Denali than it is to go from Anchorage to Denali. Oh, really? Yes, you didn't think okay. about that. I did not think I did not plan on meeting somebody in Fairbanks. So <laughs> No, seriously, if you're down to do it, you should and there's just a lot to do. Just plan on the right season so you don't come in like in the between seasons, you know, when when it's not fully winter yet, but it's definitely not summer either. So would you say that's like a spring or fall ish? Yeah, like like October, November is usually it's snowy and it's not really walkable but it's not really skiable either so everything before that and then i'd say may is not really a good month because it's it's meltdown you know april yeah. may it's just everything is just melting into big water ponds and big rivers that's i'm making notes and i'm gonna listen to this again before i do visit and i'm gonna bother you again when i do visit so <laughs> i'll make sure you're in town and so after this, you told me before we started this podcast, you're out of here after this podcast. You're going to go hunting. Is it dark yet there? No, it's not dark. And uh, I'm going to load a four-wheeler up on my trailer and hit the mountains and try to find a caribou because obviously I can't come home until I have one. So you might never see me again. <laughs> I, I better. 
Um, so you're sleeping. Where are you like? Where do you sleep tonight? Like on an expedition like this, where are you sleeping? Oh, so I'm just gonna take my tent and um, go on the tundra somewhere and pitch it up and start glassing for caribou until it get dark. And then if I see a caribou tonight, I'll probably start chasing it. Um, if it's I see a herd. Yeah. Um, then early in the morning, probably like 5 a.m., I'll start go out again looking for them. And once you get once you get it, you're coming back to town. Is that it? Yeah. Once I get one, I'm gonna go back to town because it's it's too hot to like let it sit out. Like I want don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Then you want to cut it all and do all that work, which is a day's work to cut down a caribou. I'm sure. Into beef and steaks and whatever. So I'm gonna do that, and then I'm gonna go when I'm done with that. Go straight out for a uh, sheep. <laughs> You're nonstop. You're a machine. Yeah, we'll see. I catch one first before I can say anything. It's a lot. My pride is on stake right now. <laughs> We've got you on audio. We have it now. Now you have to do it. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I'll, I, this isn't live. Obviously, I'll release this podcast in a few days and stuff. So you have a few days to do it. So <laughs> I have a few days. Hopefully, I will get one. Well, but one day I will. If it's tomorrow or in a week. Um, if you can't hear from me in two weeks, I'm still out there chasing caribou. <laughs> <laughs> well, judging from your past and how aggressive and determined you are, I have full faith that you will definitely get this caribou sooner than later. You'd be surprised what peer pressure will do to you. Like, there's no <laughs> doubt it'll get to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I have full faith. And you know what? This, like I said, this has been a pleasure. I'm super happy I connected with you. Thank you for taking the time. Um, I know, ab absolutely. And I know this story is going to inspire a lot of people, maybe not to be as crazy as, as you and some of your stories, but to get out there, explore and go push that you don't, you don't always have to follow the norm of what society thinks, you know, and yeah. you're, you're super happy doing what you do and it shows. I hope so. I hope people will find some way to figure out that you can definitely make another lifestyle work for you if you just want enough. Well, on that note. I feel like this is a great time to end it. You can follow me on the Pursuit of Happiness podcast on Instagram. I don't have the cool pictures like you do, but I'm working on it. And when I come visit you, I will have even cooler pictures. So we will make a sign of Pursuit of Happiness and put it all over the pictures. Hell yeah. That sounds like yeah. a great idea. <laughs> I appreciate it. And like I said, no one is pursuing their own happiness like you. And you are the perfect guest for this. And this is exactly why I asked you. So I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> well, good luck hunting. Uh, go get some caribou. I will. All right. I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Have a good night.